In order to keep bringing you guys tons of free content, we work with brand partners who you'll hear from in this episode, including an advertisement from Superbank. Oh, guys, welcome to the Talk 20s podcast. This episode is a little bit different to normal because I seem to get so many questions in our DMs and Georgia gets them through the Talk 20s platform all the time, asking about specific troubles, dilemmas, issues that you're having in your 20s and you just don't know what to do about them. So sometimes it's so difficult to answer all of these in a message. And so we thought we'd dedicate a full episode to talking through your 20s dilemmas in a full episode. I've got loads of them here. You've all written in, dear Gabby Styles. Thank you to all of you that have. Um, and I'm just so excited to dive into them because there are some really interesting topics here that I just feel like no one really talks about. You might, might not be something that you can talk to your friends about. It might not be something you feel so comfortable talking to your family about. So let's talk about it here. Now, before we get started, I am not claiming to be an expert at all. I am 28 years old and I feel like there are so many things that I've learned in my twenties and I have, I'm in the very, very, very privileged position of being able to sit across on the sofa to so many different experts weekly, basically for the Talk 20s podcast. I talk to them about finance, about career, about well-being, about relationships. And I have literally absorbed these things like a sponge. And hopefully I can, you know, give some kind of insight and thoughts based on all of that knowledge that I've basically been bringing into my brain all of this time. So I would love if you enjoyed this episode, please hit that follow or subscribe button on either YouTube or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And also send in more because if you want us to do this episode again, or you have a really specific dilemma that you want to ask us, then we want to hear it. So send it all across to at Talk20s on Instagram, or you can find me at I am Gabby Mendez on Instagram too, if you want to check out my personal. So let's get started with the 20s crisis hotline with our first scenario. Dear Gabby, I'm a teacher, but I absolutely hate it. I feel like I work every single hour of the day. I don't have a life. I recently split up with my boyfriend, mainly because I'm so unhappy. I have to get out of teaching, but I've only just started the new term and I don't think I'll make it till Christmas. What do I do? Now, this is something that I get in my inbox pretty much like every other week. And the reason is because I was in this position before. So I've done many videos on TikTok and things like that about leaving the teaching profession. So I, this problem person is probably reaching out because they've seen that I was literally this person when I was about 23, when I left teaching. So I career changed into the events industry. And so I feel like this is a topic that I can talk about quite a lot because I've literally been in this position. I think when you step out into your 20s, it's a really difficult time and navigating your career in the very, very beginning can be so, so, so tough. You know, typically when you step into your 20s, you are not paid very much for the work that you do. You probably have, if you've been to university, you might have a little bit of an overdraft that you're trying to pay off. You're literally just getting started in life. And if you're, you've got no help from, you know, people around you family and stuff like that. It's hard. Like there is absolutely no doubt about that. So I can completely understand why, you know, anyone in their early twenties might struggle. But in this situation, this person is a teacher and she's saying that she absolutely hates it. Um, and I understand that obviously she's working every single hour of the day. Like it's really hard to feel like you're kind of drowning in a career sometimes and that you're working every single hour of the day, but you're not seeing that reward come out of it. So in my view, I mean, 
I took, so when I was leaving teaching, I basically decided to make a plan. I was like, I knew this wasn't for me. I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do with my life longer term. I just couldn't look into the future and see myself teaching in a classroom. So I started to make a plan. I started to look at the ways that I could bring value to organizations in different ways. Um, And this took a while to do. It wasn't like an overnight thing. So I think the main thing for this person to do is be patient and kind of think about like, I know you've just started the new term, but make a plan of like when you want to leave. So you said, I don't think I'll make it till Christmas. Okay. So what do you need to do between now and Christmas? That's not very long in order to be able to kind of find yourself in a new position. Many people I know who've left the teaching profession because it's like you drop out in like a term and you can't leave with a certain amount of time. They, they drop into, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, supply teaching. So you can literally pick up jobs still doing what you do, but it's different schools and you can pick up your career that way and kind of get some money in that way. And then whilst you're doing that, you can look at the other skills you have where you might lend itself to, it might lend itself to a different career and try and really pivot that. I'd also really recommend like building up an emergency fund so that, you know, whatever money you can put aside right now that can help you if you are to leave teaching, if you are to change career, that's also super valuable too. Like the typical amount is like three to six months um, finances, if you can manage that so that actually, if you were to step away from your career, if it really was really making you sad, you would be in a position where you can go, okay, that's possible. So those are the first few tips I would say to this person and good luck. And if you need any more, please do send me a DM. I'm going to go on to the next scenario now. So dear Gabby, I'm 18 and I've been with a guy for two years and I'm already starting to get bored and like, I want to feel single, but I don't want to break up if that makes sense. Is that normal? Have you ever felt like that? I just feel so disloyal even thinking about being bored. So I don't know what to do. Now, this was someone who reached out to me on TikTok um, after seeing a video where I had been in a relationship from, I've been in a 10 year relationship from the age of 18. um, And obviously she'd seen the video and I'd said a few points about it. And then she reached out with this message. So it's, it's a really, really tricky one. And I think when you're so young and you're in a relationship and you look at the world around you, you constantly look at like, is there something that's better out there for me? Is there something, you know, am I missing out on opportunities because I'm in a relationship? Should I be single? Um, I think this is a totally normal feeling when you're in a relationship and you're really young, because also people look at like their brothers and sisters or anyone that they know that's older and they see like, oh, like can a relationship start at 18 and continue on for life. Like it's a long time. So you undoubtedly are going to have these questions, these thoughts, these worries in your brain. But one of the things I would say, and it's advice I've given actually to someone else who's quite close to me, who's, you know, kind of got through the honeymoon period in their relationship as well. And it's to start to, to kind of realize that we're like, relationships have like a really exciting part at the beginning where everything really, things, things really great. You have so many firsts together. You might go on your first date. You might go on your first, you know, holiday. Maybe you might go on your first trip somewhere. You might meet the family for the first time. And then once all of that dies down, it's, it's kind of overwhelming, underwhelming because you're like, well, this is just normal life. And you often look for other things to kind of interest you or excite you. And so it's totally, totally normal to feel this way. Um, and my advice to you would be to kind of think about the, the, the reasons of why you are with this person, even though you were only 18, why are you with this person? Are they, do you have similar values? Like, do you have a lot in common? Like, can you, is, is it the fact that like this person is 
not feeling right for you? Or is it the fact that you're just feeling like bored and you kind of want other ways? Because that is a really easy thing to solve because there's so many things you can do and they don't have to cost a lot of money. It can be, you know, going on really nice walks, making time for one another, creating plans together. Like there's ways that you can fix your relationship um, so that you stop feeling that kind of sense of boredom. And it's mainly all about communication. So I would open up to your partner and kind of let them know that you feel like maybe the honeymoon phase is a little bit over and you're kind of wanting to create excitement in your relationship um, and have that discussion with them because they might be feeling the same way too. So yeah, that'd be my advice. The next one, dear Gabby, I recently quit my job to go full time in my business, but I'm struggling with not having a steady income. I've gone from a 30K salary to only taking small amounts out of my business. I live with my flatmate and my tenancy comes to an end in two months. My parents said I can move back in with them for a few months and I am debating it. Although I sometimes struggle with our relationship. I know it's a huge privilege, but I love and believe in my business. So I think this might be the only way to succeed. Okay. So first of all, this person super, super lucky, like to be in this position where, you know, you can move back in with your parents and maybe play a a smaller amount of your rent and stuff like that. I think you really have to, it really comes down to what you've kind of said at the end there, where, where do you see your business being in 10 years time? Where do you see yourself being? in 10 years time? Like, can you really picture that? And is it doing something with your current business that you are in? Or is it maybe doing something completely different? Is it like traveling? Is it like, you know, working in a different job and really kind of think about that. Now I know a few different people who have difficult, challenging relationships with their parents, but have also really found an opportunity to kind of move back in with them and it's really built their relationship up. So I I would try and look on the positive side of things. Obviously we don't know the ins and outs of your relationship here, but I think moving back in as an adult can like, like support growth in terms of, you know, especially if they understand that you've had that kind of bit of flexibility, you've moved out, you've lived like an adult and now you kind of want to move back in. I feel like when you move back in, if you are going to move back in, set those boundaries with your parents, like super early on, like, you know, they're not maybe always going to know where you are every single moment of the day. They, you know, you'll communicate with them about whether you're having dinner with them or not. You're chipping with the groceries, you're chipping with the cleaning or whatever it is so that you can try and avoid those arguments. And you may see it as like a way to like create a really strong bond with your parents. Um, Honestly, like hats off to you because starting a business and taking the plunge to leave a full-time job to go for it is is such an amazing achievement in itself. And I don't think people celebrate that enough. It is so difficult to kind of find your feet when you're stepping out onto a business. And people don't respect, in my opinion, don't respect small business owners enough. It is so tough sometimes to do do enough in your business to be able to continue with the business and also pay yourself a fair wage. So fair enough. And I do think where you can get help and support from those around you in order to make that easier for yourself. um, That's amazing. And so if you can live without rent over your heads um, and, you know, pay less and, and live with your family, I would, I would say go for it and see how it goes. You know, you can always move back out in a few months if it doesn't work for you. Um, But at least, you know, you've tried. Because I think one thing that I always worry about in life is... 
A quick note from our sponsors, Zopa Bank, who are here to help you with your personal finance in the Zopa app. Zopa have a For You section on their app that gives you helpful, personalised insights like reviewing your subscriptions, checking for cheaper broadband and energy bills. The first thing that you need to do is link your accounts using open banking. Once your accounts are connected, the available data will let Zopa understand your finances and give you personalised insights. It will also analyse your credit file and check your Zopa eligibility. Best of all, it's all free and at your fingertips always. So you can make sure you're making the best, most informed choice with your money 24-7. Download the Zopa app now to find out more. What if? Like, I never want to think what if. I always want to think, oh, I gave it a go and it didn't work out. So I tried something different. So yeah, congratulations to you for making the plunge. Don't feel scared that this is something you're experiencing right now because it's completely normal as a business owner. And give your parents a chance is what I would say. So, oh, what are we on now? That was what we've done. One, two, three, four. We're on to number four. Okay. So dear Gabby, I am ready for a serious relationship and I've been going on a few dates, but I've become really self-aware of my hairline. I'm only 29, but I feel like I'm going bold. It's something me and my mates joke about, but deep down, it does really stress me out. I've looked into hair transplants, but not sure it's right for me what do I do? Right. So this is a guy who's obviously really struggling with kind of finding a new partner and feeling really self-conscious. And I think when we've done the Talk 20s podcast before, we've actually had some amazing conversations with some guys who you would not expect to kind of open up about their appearance and stuff like that on the podcast. And they've kind of said like, it's a struggle too. And I think a lot of the time we, we think about you know, girls in this scenario or females in this scenario where they're worried about their appearance and stuff like that. But it's, it's, it's the same for guys too. So it's completely normal to kind of feel these, this kind of way. I think if you're self-aware of like your hairline and things like that, and it's, it's stopping you from meeting new people, then you need to do something to kind of make you feel more confident in yourself. So whether that is maybe changing your hairstyle up. So if you have it longer right now, do you want to cut it a little bit shorter? Do you want to change it up a little bit just so you can start to feel more confident in yourselves? And also there are other ways to feel better about yourself in terms of the clothes you wear in terms of, you know, the aftershave that you wear and stuff like that and try and distract your attention away from stressing so much about your hairline. Cause I promise you, it's not something people are looking at when they're kind of going on dates and stuff like that. It's a lot of the time, the insecurities that we have as an individual are not something that actually people are even looking at or even bothered by. Like think about your personality. Think about how you're coming across in, in that because not going to lie, we're all going to get old. We're all probably going to lose our hair. We're all going to get wrinkles. We're all going to probably put on weight or lose weight or whatever. And it's not really about that when you're dating someone. Like it's more about who they are as a person. Like, wouldn't you be so upset if you were going to, on a date with a girl and they were literally like the whole time they were stressing about how their, you know, how their boobs looked. Like they had two small boobs or something like that. And they felt really conscious about that or two big boobs or whatever. And they just literally spent the whole date worried about that. Wouldn't you be so like sad for them. I would be, I think the more that we can kind of embrace the things that make us different, like the better. And like, even like, you know, if that's your situation at 29, like that, that's, that's it. And if you're not going to, you know, go and get hair transplant or stuff like that, it's something you've got to learn to love. And that's such a hard thing to say, but like, it's, it's something that I think we kind of just all have to go through. We all have these little hangups that really get to us. And it's just, yeah, we have to kind of learn to embrace them. Uh, okay. So number five, 
Um, dear Gabby, I'm in my student overdraft debt and various other debts, and I'm finding it really hard to not let it consume me. I do think I have a slight shopping addiction whenever I get sad about my money struggles and I end up spending more money. Please, how can I escape this dangerous cycle? Okay, so if you're in your student overdraft of debt, I, I assume that you're probably a couple of years out from graduating. So I'm going to also make other assumptions that you might be in a job that is kind of a basic starting salary. And so therefore you're probably, if you're kind of living away from home stuff, you probably don't have a lot of excess income to be able to pay this off, especially if you're saying it's consuming you. So one of the things, there's so many different methods that you can use to kind of pay off debt, but one of the methods is kind of a snowball method. So basically you focus on paying off your smallest debt first. So the first, um, the, the debt, so say if you've got a credit card bill or Klarna or something like that, you focus on paying that one off first and the achievement that you'll get for paying off that one will make you want to continue to, to pay off the others. And then and as you're building up your income, you can start to chip into that student overdraft debt and you can do it that way. The other way you can do it is you can um, consolidate all of your debts and put it onto a 0% uh, credit card. And then you can kind of move through kind of paying that off over time. And it might give you a little bit more options. Like I said, I'm not a financial advisor. I would have to caveat all of that conversation with this, but I do think making it easier to kind of pay off those debts and see like a little bit of a challenge in front of you um, and kind of rewarding yourself, not by shopping, but rewarding yourself when you get to those um those milestones of kind of paying off your debt. And like it, you can reward yourself in so many different ways. It doesn't mean you have to splurge on yourself. It could be that, you know, you visit a place that you've wanted to do for ages. It could be that you buy yourself something really small that you've been hoping to for ages. And I think if you're looking for a shopping addiction as well, the best thing you do, because I'm so guilty of this myself, the best thing you can do is any big spends or any things that you're kind of impulse or you feel like you really want to buy in the moment, just give yourself 24 hours to think on stuff because I promise you, you probably won't want it 24 hours later. Um... The next one. So dear Gabby, I have just graduated this summer and I now hate my nine to five job, but I can't get another job. What do I do? Oh, interesting one. Um, I think that if the job that you're in right now isn't something you see yourself doing longer term, you have to create a career plan to get the hell out of there. And the reason that I say that is nothing good happens without a plan. Like you cannot just quit that job and just figure it all out because that will probably make you super spiral into loads of stress. So I would say start to make a plan whilst you are in this job that you hate of how you're going to figure your shit out to get out of that situation, basically. So what are what are the things that you love or kind of partly like about your job? What other jobs do that do similar things, including those things? What are the bits that like you've, where, where are the experience you've kind of had in life? That you thought, I want to do more of that. I want to feel more of that. I want to do more of those kind of things. Write it all down. Literally a journal is the most simplest thing that you can do. Write it all down and start to like map out what you want to do. Because this is literally what I did when I was leaving teaching. I didn't know what I wanted to do next, but I knew deep down that I had a business head on my shoulders and that teaching was nothing to do with business. Like I, I, in my previous jobs, I'd worked in recruitment whilst I was at university. I'd also worked on a, like selling eyebrow makeup. Um, and I knew that I was good at like business and sales and all of that kind of stuff, but like, there's none of that in teaching. So 
you know, I knew that I wanted to do something like that. So where could I move into that had those skills? I also wanted to work on something that I felt was like an accomplishment though. So, you know, when you're teaching kids and stuff like that, I loved seeing their progress that they had like throughout the end of the year and then seeing them do their exams and then do really well in them. And so I kind of like that process that was kind of like quite cyclical. So I liked the idea that like you could work on something for like a year, like you would working with students and stuff like that. And then you'd have a finished product and it would be kind of done. So that started to lend itself to the events industry because you literally work on something for a year or two and then it's done. You see the finished product and then you're super proud of it. You work to a goal and that's what I really wanted. But then it massively used my business head because although I was like an operations manager, I had to manage budgets. I had to manage awards, ticket sales. I had to do so many different things that kind of really got me into like the business mind and thinking about it. So that really started to tick a lot of boxes for me. Um, so I think it's about doing the same for yourself. So what is it you love about this job? What is it you hate about this job and you do not want to find it in another job? And what could you find that is like different from previous experiences that you're like, I really want this. And something should start to speak to you. Like I never set out when I was younger to be like, oh, I think I want to work in events or I think I want to be an entrepreneur like I do right now. But that is how I found out what I wanted to do. So I think it's a super simple process. And um Although it might feel super overwhelming because you literally have to get up and work from nine till five every single day. Like it can be done. I'm, I'm an example of that. So, okay. Uh, this is a topic we get, this next one, this is a topic we get all the time on Talk20s and no one talks about it because the people you'd want to talk about it with are your friends and that's the problem. So, Dear Gabby, is it normal to have friends but still feel isolated and disconnected? This is like someone who put in like a question box on our on our stories and I'd love them to have like divulged a bit more information. But I do think it's a topic that so many of us in our 20s struggle with so much because we all have friends or, you know, friends that we've met from when we're younger or that we've met at work and things like that. But you can still feel so alone like, but have friends. So, you know, you might even be out with your friends and you start to feel that a little bit like isolated and like, you know, nervous and kind of inside yourself and you don't want to speak up and stuff like that. Like I've all, we've all felt that like it's completely normal, but at the same time, it's, it's also really important to have good connections with friends and kind of be able to share like in your experiences and be able to talk honestly and openly with them. I bet you if you sat down with some of your closest friends and started opening up and being a little bit more vulnerable with them, I bet you they'd start doing the same too. I like, I honestly bet you because it's so funny because we sit opposite so many people on the podcast or we sit and have coffee with them beforehand. And I know that like, they know that we're a safe place to have these conversations on the Talk 20s podcast, but like the stuff that they tell us about their lives that sometimes don't even make it to air is crazy because they feel like they want to get stuff off their chest. And like this whole thing is anonymous. Like everything that we we are doing in this episode, we're not giving anyone's names or, you know, we're not allowing you guys to identify them. But like it, people want to ask these questions clearly because it's literally what we're getting in our DMs. So that I bet you that if you're struggling with one thing, I bet you that they might be struggling with something else that they can talk to you about. So I would encourage a little bit of like vulnerability with your friends um, that you have right now. Um, and try and explain to them like how you're feeling, but not in a way that like, oh, I'm like, I'm so sad and all this kind of stuff. Just be like, hey, I don't know if you're feeling this way too, but I sometimes feel like this. Have you ever felt like that? I just, I bet you they will open up and be like, oh yeah, 
me too. Or I've not felt like that, but I have felt like this. So for me, that's like a game changer is like really trying to get to that vulnerable side with your friends and um, yeah, getting them to open up because like the more that they can feel that they can open up to you, the more that you'll be able to open up to them and hopefully the happier you will be. Let's take a quick pause for a second. If you're an OG listener of the podcast, you'll know I haven't always had the easiest ride with my mental health in my 20s. Our newest paid partner, BetterHelp, which gives you access to online therapists, is something that's helped me immensely. With BetterHelp, you can have your therapy sessions as a phone call, a video chat, or even via messaging if you prefer that. Whatever is the most comfortable version of therapy for you. To get started, you fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you'll get matched with a therapist, in most cases within 48 hours or less. You'll then be able to schedule therapy sessions at a time that's convenient for you. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com forward slash talk 20s and that link will also get you 10% off your first month too. Okay, so the next one. Dear Gabby, I want, oh okay. Dear Gabby, I want to discuss important social and political issues with my family but we have very different viewpoints. Some of my family members have completely different views to me and it makes me sick but I know they are a good person. How can I engage in these conversations constructively? Such a great question. Um, I think this one is tough because you love these people so much, but ultimately like it's really hard for them to kind of understand where you're coming from if you have such differing views. Like they may have brought you into the world, they may have raised you, but sometimes you're growing up at a point where you feel like you're, view on life is very different to theirs and it's tricky especially when they might be more senior to you and you need to show them respect um and and stuff so I think it's about kind of it's about kind of like poking is it the phrase like poking the bear I don't really know what it is but like it's about kind of challenging their thoughts on the world but not in a way that kind of belittles them or gets angry or causes huge arguments. It's just allowing them to think a little bit more about their viewpoint because sometimes they're not even aware that they're thinking like this in in that kind of way or how damaging their views can be um, if they kind of put it out into the world. So it's just about like asking the right questions. So if, for example, a family member makes a derogatory term about women or something like that it's about saying like oh why did you say that like and asking them to explain themselves I bet you they won't be able to explain themselves but I think it's about kind of instead of shouting your views down their throat it's about slightly and gently challenging theirs because honestly like I think this is a problem for all of us as a generation because you know, we're growing up so fast with the internet, like the way that our views can change by just watching, you know, a TV program or a TikTok is actually wild. But like our parents and our, you know, aunties, uncles, grandparents, they're probably not seeing this kind of content. They're reading the same newspapers. They're seeing the same news all the time. So it's not like their viewpoints are going to get changed. So just challenge what they think a little bit more and try and yeah, try and not let it turn into a heated argument, but try and show them like your way of thinking. And they may not always agree with you and you might not be right. That's another thing to point out as well. Um, But I think, yeah, I'd say poke the bear, challenge them a little bit on their views and try and open up like a, a gentle, calm discussion about social and political issues. Okay, next one. So dear Gabby, 
I really want kids, but my partner doesn't. We've been together two years. We are 26 and 27. And it's a conversation we've only had recently after him spending years of dodging the topic. He does want to get married though. So I'm worried he might ask me soon. I don't want to leave him. We get on so well, but the kids thing is hard to deal with. What do you think I should do? This is a tough one. And I think, you know, hindsight is a great thing, but having this conversation early on, on in your relationship, even if you're like earlier on in your twenties and like, you might not have even thought about kids yet and stuff like that, but it can just save a lot of heartbreak if you are on the same page at the same time. One of the things I'm actually going to tell you guys to do, if you are in a relationship right now, no matter what stage you're at in your relationship is to do this thing. They actually do it on Married at First Sight actually, but I honestly swear to God, it is the best thing ever. Let me just find it on my notes on my phone. Okay. Right. So I want you to sit down with your partner and I want you to put these things in order. They do it on Married at First Sight. And I think it's such an eye opener for any kind of relationship. But basically I'm going to tell you nine values or nine things, and you need to put them in order of what's most important to you and what's least important to you. So the first one is sex. The second is money. The third is children. The fourth is occupation. The fifth is looks. The sixth is honesty. The seventh is intelligence. The eighth is humor. And the ninth is ambition. Get all of those things, write them in a list or put them all out on a table really random and ask your partner to put them in order of what is most important to them. Do this as early as you can in your relationship. If your partner is putting children right down the bottom, that opens up a whole load of discussion about, oh, so you didn't want kids. Like, I didn't know that about you. Uh, if your partner's putting sex right at the top, then you know that they that's what they're kind of looking for. They value that really highly in their relationship. If they are, you know, also, I, I also think that one thing I will caveat this with is I do think that women will put money higher um, than men will. And uh, men will often put looks higher than, than money just because of traditional norms and stuff like that. So you're not necessarily looking for a completely matching list because that's not what it's about. It's more understanding like people's motivations and seeing where they are coming from. But then you can kind of get clear on whether your values are similar or make sense together. Um, and I think that is one of the best tips and advice I can say for any relationship because this activity should literally open up so many conversations in your relationship. But back to the topic at hand, where we are in a situation where you haven't had this conversation and it's only coming up now. You're two years down the line. You're super in love, but you want kids and he doesn't. It's it's something that you seriously, if you're, you know, you're 26, 27, it's something that you seriously need to sit down and have a conversation about, especially if things are getting talked about like marriage and because that's a long-term commitment. And I, you know, you don't want to be unhappy later down the line because of this topic coming up. So the sooner that you can literally sit down and be like, okay, this is what I want for life. It might feel super, super painful, but the more that you can kind of open up and have these conversations and be like, okay, why don't you want kids? Okay. Like, do you ever see this? And I know it's a tricky question, but like, is this something you're completely certain on? And like, you never want to change your mind or is this something that like, maybe, you know, later down the line. And I think that's also another really tricky thing. People don't ever want to say like, oh yeah, maybe I want kids like later, later down the line, but you're going to have to say, okay, like I'm going to have to know because as a woman, I have got like a, you know, biological clock that tells me whether I can have kids 
or not. And like, I need to be aware sooner rather than later. And it's so hard when like everything else in the relationship is perfect, but you ultimately you have different values, but you have to kind of look about where your future of your relationship is going to go. Like, would you both be happy being 40, no kids and having people around you who've got kids, your brothers, your sisters and stuff like that would ultimately that make you happy if you think that you can be open-minded and actually, yes, you can live a very happy and fulfilling life without kids and actually your view can be changed. Great, go ahead. But if you imagine that life for yourself and you don't like that's when these serious conversations have to happen um and ultimately it comes down to you and how you feel about your relationship and how strongly you kind of want that but I think don't be afraid to have these conversations like as early as you can in your relationship because yeah like it can just lead to so much more heartbreak if you don't so that would be my advice on that one but that's a tricky situation and I'm sending lots of love because I know that is so, so tough when a relationship seems really great, but like the future seems in question. So send in love. Um, so another question we've had come in. So it says, dear Gabby, I think I am a perfectionist and can't stop comparing myself to every single person, even if they are doing something completely different to me. This is online and in person with everyone I meet. I can't deal with the idea of not being perfect and it's driving me crazy. Please help. Okay. I think you're lying if um, you've never felt a little bit like this in your life. Like, okay, not comparing yourself to every single person, but at least comparing yourself to someone or how they do stuff is completely different. It is, is like completely normal. But in this situation, this is too much. Like you no one is a perfectionist. Like we have so many people that sit on the other side of the talk 20 sofa and we say to them like, okay, so you might be an expert in relationships. You might be talking all about your finances, but like, what are you struggling with right now? Like nobody's perfect. Everybody's working through something. What's that one thing you're working through right now? And I think you ask anyone that in your life and you'll start to realize that no one is the finished product. So you cannot start to think that everyone around you, that the people you're comparing yourself to are the finished products because they're just not like, there's just no way that anyone out there is walking around like the perfect person. No one you see online, no celebrity, no one, everyone's got so much shit going on in their lives. So the first of all is to kind of really banish that, that myth in yourself that you people around you have it all figured out because they don't. And we've done far too many episodes for me to know that's the case. And that brings me such great comfort to know that like, you know, no matter what you're going through in your life, there are other people also going through crazier times and, you know, difficult times. And then, and everyone is, you know, still walking about, we're still going like, you're going to be okay. Even if you don't get things right. But one thing I would say like about the whole comparison thing is to probably spend some time away from social media because it sounds like the kind of content maybe that you're consuming just brings yourself to com into comparison mode and spend a little bit more time maybe like journaling on what it is you actually want out of life. Because when we see like social media all the time, like we're fed stuff, it can just feel like a constant hamster wheel. Like I went on holiday last week and I deleted link the LinkedIn app and I also delete my work emails, but specifically I find LinkedIn like the most shouty platform where I was like, I'm doing this and I'm doing great. Um, and my God, so nice. I don't even want to go back on it. In fact, I'm not going to download the app. I'm literally just going to go on desktop because I kind of have to go on it sometimes for work. But like stepping away from social media kind of gave me this kind of freedom to be like, oh, actually I can work on my own goals. And actually I came up with so many 
kind of fresh ideas that I couldn't have when I was constantly being bombarded with other people's ideas. So take some time away from it, delete the apps and just focus on you. Focus on what you want out of life. Take yourself on some walks, like deconnect yourself and start to think about, you know, what is actually priority to you. Um, and yeah, and, and start to understand also that people are not perfect at all. Not one little bit at all. Um, okay. So we are on to our very last question right now. And yeah, I'm, you know, I'd love this episode so much. So please tell me if you've enjoyed it because I get these questions a lot. And this is like the funnest way of kind of giving feedback and advice because quite often if people message me, I will voice note them back. But on Instagram, you only get like nine, like, like a minute that I can't talk for a minute and, and give all this advice. So, uh, so yeah, I'm really enjoying this. So tell me if you love this episode as well, but okay. So the very last question we've got is dear Gabby, I keep getting distracted by waves of nostalgia about my childhood and teen years. I feel like I wasted them. And then I feel like I'm wasting my twenties because I'm how distracted I am with nostalgia. Please help me to mourn my childhood properly. This is an interesting one. Um, I think that so many people look back on their childhood and teen years and always feel like a pang of regret because when you're in those moments, you feel like you've got those moments forever. And then you grow up and you reach adult life and you're like, oh shit, like this thing is hard. And so it, it's like, honestly, the most normal thing to want to go back to your childhood life. So you don't have to pay bills, worry about getting a job and finding a relationship or whatever it is you want to do in your life. So I think a bit of nostalgia is a good thing, like, because it allows you to kind of dream and keep going and remember those years. But if it's completely consuming your life, then you definitely need to kind of do something about it. And I think, you know, there's ways that you can kind of make the most of your twenties by bringing some of that childhood like things you used to enjoy as a child, like into your adult life. So what is it about your childhood that you absolutely loved? Can we recreate that into adult life? Like, I think also we never look to, I think I in particular just got so serious when I first went into like teaching, especially because I went into a job that was like, you have to be a grown up straight away. Like I went into teaching and I felt like I was like 40 years old, like overnight. And it was horrible like literally the worst experience. And so then when I was like going through it, I literally just got so serious. I was like, we need to pay bills and I need to sort out this and I need to do that. And actually sometimes just enjoying life and taking a day to be like, or, you know, some time to be like, I just need to focus on being happy and it doesn't need to cost loads of money um, is so, so, so powerful. So for example, this past month, it's been my brother's birthday. It's been my friend's 30th birthday. I've been on holiday and I've tried to take moments out of work and life where I've just tried to be happy, try to just enjoy myself, try to do the things that I love. And for me, that's spending time with my family. Um, and I think that that's the best way to kind of keep and stay young in your 20s. Because if you're constantly worrying about, you know, the challenges that you're 
facing or the things you're doing, then you're not actually living in the moment right now. Like you need to find time to live in the moment. Like you want to find an opportunity to like, you know, if dance, like for me, dancing to music and having a good time is like what really kind of makes me feel young again. So you need to find those things that make you feel young again and incorporate them into your adult life so that you can still get fulfillment. And don't think that like, your childhood life is over because you can absolutely bring that childhood and enjoyment through your whole 20s. And that's something that I have got better at doing at later in my 20s and wish I'd done earlier on and not gone so serious. So yeah, I think, you know, keep some of that childhood and teen years and kind of try and bring it back into what you do. But yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. It's a little bit different. You know, I've, it's it feels weird talking into a microphone for like 30, 40 minutes and not having someone on the other side of the sofa to answer any questions. Like I've never done, I don't think ever, like maybe I did one in like the first year of launching Talk 20s, but I've never done a solo episode of the podcast. I think it's, you know, it's something I've been quite scared to do. Um, but if you've enjoyed it, please do hit that subscribe or follow button. Please send in more of your dilemmas. Like we want to hear from them. Um, we want to hear your thoughts on this as well. Like, like I said, I'm not the expert. This is just my thoughts based on all of the conversations that I've had across the years through the talk twenties and all of the things that I've absorbed. Um, but hopefully you guys have found it useful. Hopefully you can relate to some of the people who've sent in the questions here and have found some comfort in any of the things here. And yeah, please write in and tell us if you'd love for us to do another episode like this. Thank you as always for listening to the talk twenties podcast. We have come so far in the past three years. Um, and yeah, I just can't wait for so many more years of this to come. So thank you for tuning in guys and we'll see you soon.